Good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord, we are his guest this day as he calls us to this time of worship and as we know his presence in this time of worship and the word proclaimed, the music offered, and the presence of each of you. Thank you for sharing in this time of worship this morning, especially those who may be visiting. You bless us with your presence. We pray this is a blessed time for us all. And just a reminder of the registration pads that you find to your right or left because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship here at First Church. As we gather and prepare for worship, we are attentive to ministries before us. You will see that a week from Monday, a week from tomorrow, there will be a security training uh, to which you are invited. It will take place in the fellowship hall, uh, and you see information about that. Also, beginning September 18th, which really isn't that far away, you see the small group study that will be offered each Tuesday evening for six weeks at 7 o'clock in the fellowship hall under the leadership of the Reverend David Muga of Roanoke uh, on living faithfully. Uh, we have text here in my office, or Karen has them as well, so we invite you to prepare for that and be a part of that study beginning September 18th. You see on the bulletin cover this morning a picture of the um, foundation stone of the church. Uh, it's here on Church Street, the former Martinsville Methodist Church. That stone is before us as we anticipate the scripture from Ephesians, the second chapter, in which Jesus is referred to as the cornerstone for the church. Despite any differences there may be among us, we are all united in this one cornerstone. So I look forward to the sharing of that word and celebrating that good news. As we gather, I'll invite us to prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. Let us stand as we share in this call. We gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. There are no outsiders here among us. For we have been brought together by the redeeming love of Jesus. We gather in the singing of How Firm a Foundation.
I invite us to go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Help us to see your presence in the hearts of others. Grant that we may be united in a fellowship of love and prayer. Give us the courage to pick up our cross and respond to the needs of the world. Give us the stamina to follow you, to be your hands and heart in the world. Enable us to witness to your grace and mercy. We pray all this through the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We share the word of God first as it comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 57, words that speak to us of healing and of God's gathering presence, words anticipating again the lesson from Ephesians. Let us pray. Lord, pour your spirit upon us, fill us, renew us, revive us, so that we may hear above all else the word you speak. As we are hearers, help us to be doers, those who are shaped according to your will, to save and heal all you have made. In Jesus' name, amen. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For from me proceeds the spirit, and I have made the breath of life. Because of the iniquity of the covetousness, I was angry. I smote him, I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and requite him with comfort, creating for his mourners the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. This is the word of our Lord.
you, Jill. I invite our children to come forward as Megan will lead us in our children's time. Good morning, boys and girls. So this week coming up, we are getting one week closer to going back to school. And some of you who have parents that work at school, they'll be going back to school this week. I know that some teachers go back on Wednesday, and then some of our kids go back next week. And Carlisle goes back a week later. Yeah. And... Some of our kids go to county and city, and some go to Carlisle, and that's okay. They're all wonderful schools. But today we're going to pray for our teachers because our teachers go back this coming week. Several teachers do. I don't know if Addison and Gavin, your mommy, may be going back to school this week to work. So we want to pray for her and for all of our teachers. So I'm going to give you a little card that has a prayer on it, and I want you to take it home. And remember to pray with your families this week as you remember your teachers as they go to work to set up the classroom so they'll be fun and inviting for you. And as they prepare the lessons so that you will be able to grow and learn every day when you're at school. And then I'm going to say the prayer and I'll say it slow so that you can repeat it after me. Just like we did in Bible school, okay? I'll say it slow and you can repeat after me, okay? Dear God, thank you for the amazing teachers who have given their lives to serve our children as they prepare for the new year. Fill them with strength to lead grace to guide, and hope to thrive in their classroom. Bless them beyond measure for their willingness to pour into the next generation through education. Amen. So when we go home today, remember to show these cards to your mom and dad or grandma and grandparents, and you can pray together for your teachers as they go to school to get everything ready for you so that you can have wonderful days in the classroom and know that God is pouring over you and your teacher and helping you to have a wonderful day and a wonderful year. Okay, you can go to Children's Church with Ms. Annette now. Thank you, Megan, and children. I invite us to stand as we sing the church's one foundation.
We proclaim the word of God from the letter to the Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 22. Let us hear the word of our Lord. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby bringing the hostility to an end. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also were built into it for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This is the word of our Lord. I'll share with you this morning I do not know the number of emails I received this past week. I do know it was a lot. I also share with you I do not know how many text messages I received this past week. Again, it was a gracious plenty. Although I cannot tell you the number of emails or text messages I recently received, I can tell you with full assurance the number of personal handwritten letters I recently received. Zero. And I've counted several times and it's still zero. I'm guessing I'm not alone because I suspect that you, like me, rarely receive a personal handwritten letter. In this age of electronic and cell phone communication, the experience of receiving a handwritten note or letter is an experience quite rare. We may remember a couple of months ago, John Quinlan, then of the Good News Prison Ministry, shared of his ministry with us as we worshiped. And I mentioned at the time, there's no one better than John Quinlan in the writing of personal thank you notes for the support his ministry receives from this church and others. But there are few people like John Quinlan it may be we remember a time when sending or receiving handwritten letters was not unusual. I remember when I left home to attend school in Richmond, the experience of receiving handwritten letters from my mother. I remember when I began serving as a pastor in a local church, receiving handwritten letters from my mother. I remember the occasion, I believe it was after Christmas one year, of receiving an angry letter from my mother. 
given that I have spoken to you of the gentle temperament of my mother, the fact that she wrote this angry letter may surprise you, and yes, it, it was out of character for her. Yet so angry was she with this letter, she didn't even sign it, Love Mom. But being the perceptive man I am, I recognized the handwriting, the return address, and in due time was able to discern that it came from my mother. It was a letter in which she displayed such anger because she believed I did not show adequate gratitude to my brother for the Christmas gifts he had given me. Well, my mother and I worked through such conflict, she continued to write her letters, letters with which she closed by writing, Love, Mom. We do find something personal in a handwritten letter, don't we? We do well to realize this as we share certain scripture of the New Testament, scripture such as this letter to the Ephesians. Like those personal letters from my mother and letters we may occasionally send and receive, these letters speak to personal and intimate matters. This is true with the letter to the Ephesians before us this morning. This letter is very personal. So personal as to address the Gentiles, the non-Jews, to whom it is written. Addressing them as those who were separated from Christ, alienated from the people of God, strangers to the promises God made to his people. But this is true no more, says the writer to this, of this letter. You who were once far off have been brought near. Christ is our peace. In Christ we are made one. In him the dividing wall of hostility is broken down. He has brought us all to God through the cross. He has brought any hostility to an end. In him we have peace. In him we have access in one spirit to the Father. This all means we are no longer strangers and wanderers. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus being the cornerstone for us all. A powerful letter. A letter of great intimacy. A letter that cannot leave anyone who reads it unchanged. Those who read it are quite different from the people they were before they read this letter. Such is the power of this daring letter. Daring, I suggest, because it's bold enough to tell the truth about the early church in a daring way. Daring because it speaks the truth in love. You see, I'm sure if I'm writing this letter to the Ephesians, I may prefer not to address some difficult experiences of the early Christian church. For example, I'm guessing no one here really likes conflict. But the truth is, even in the early church, there was conflict. Even in the early church, there was disagreement. This letter to the Ephesians dares acknowledge this. And fortunately, it's not alone in doing so. We remember that the Acts of the Apostles recount the glorious work 
of those in the early church. Yet the book of Acts also recounts conflict. Remember the apostles Paul and Barnabas have worked together to share the good news of Jesus. So there comes a point at which Paul says to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the brethren in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas replies to Paul, Okay, fine. But I want to take John Mark with us. To which Paul responds, uh, John Mark's not going with us. He left our mission when we were in the city of Pamphylia. I'm not taking John Mark back. Well, at this point, we are told, there arose a sharp contention between Paul and Barnabas so that they separated from each other. So sharp a contention that Barnabas went on his way taking John Mark with him, and Paul went his way taking an apostle named Silas. Yet it may be we believe disagreement within the Christian church is a relatively new experience. The witness of our holy scriptures, including Ephesians, tells us disagreement was within the early church from the very beginning. And it is experience that really hasn't changed. And we look at our own faith stories and we see that this is true. I was born into a family in Harrisonburg that was active in Otterbein Evangelical United Brethren Church until 1968. In 1968, what happened? 50 years ago, the Evangelical United Brethren Church merged with the Methodist Church to form the United Methodist Church, for which I'm grateful because it takes too long to say Evangelical United Brethren. So we're saving time, if nothing else. Well, the merging of these two different faith traditions meant I was no longer an Evangelical United Brethren. I was now a United Methodist. Upon graduating from Harrisonburg High School, Blue Streak Spirit of 79, I enrolled at Eastern Mennonite College, home of the Fighting Amish. I guess it's no longer funny. Well, at EMC, I met and married a woman of a different faith background, uh, more independent in nature. Upon graduating from Eastern Mennonite, we moved to Richmond where I would graduate from Union Theological Seminary, a Presbyterian seminary. Did you follow all of that? If so, good. You see, even within our own faith stories, there is witness that even the body of Christ has not always spoken with one voice. It has not always been of one mind. Though we often proclaim we are united within the body of Christ, we are one within the body of Christ, we still know there are differences among us. We know we are working at First Church this year as we have the past two years with the Martinsville Community Care Collaborative. It will be hosted in the Uptown Ministry Center in November. As we prepare for this, we are blessed to work with many local agencies 
in providing medical and dental care as well as other services for those who have need in this community and beyond. We also work with the Liberty University College of Osteopathic Medicine. In fact, it's Liberty that initiates this event, also coordinating a similar event in Lynchburg. The head of the College of Osteopathic Medicine at Liberty is a man named James Cook. Whereas you can imagine, there are some differences in belief between this United Methodist pastor and this gentleman who carries great responsibility at Liberty University. Though this is true, James and I really have not discussed our respective beliefs at length, perhaps really haven't felt the need to do so. But I do recall the occasion as we once stood outside the Uptown Ministry Center when James did tell me he did not believe in pido-baptism. To which I replied, that's okay, we don't baptize pidos. Well, the truth is, we actually do baptize pidos. Anyone know what he refers to when he says pido-baptism? Think of the word pediatrician, pediatrics, Pido being the Greek word from which we get the word baby or infant. Again, pediatrics. So he was referring to infant baptism. Doesn't believe in that. He told me that very calmly, very civilly, very respectfully. But we know that we in the United Methodist Church do affirm and practice infant baptism. Well, does this mean that James and I and many of the United Methodists here at First Church don't work together in this health care collaborative? Does this point of disagreement mean we deny those in need in this community basic health care and other services because James and I are not united in our belief about the baptism of Pidos? Or could it be that we find that point in our faith where we are brought near to faith in Christ. The truth that in Christ we find we are at peace with one another. Do we not celebrate the good news that Christ has made us both one? That Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility? That Christ has reconciled us both to God? Could it be the news on which we agree that we are to love God above all else and love our neighbors as ourselves means more to us than any disagreement? Could it be that as we are gathered within the body of Christ, we find any dividing wall of hostility broken down? Could it be we are both reconciled to God in one body, through the cross of Christ. Or perhaps we find it more life-giving to celebrate the fact we're no longer strangers, but members of the household of God built upon a foundation of which Jesus is the cornerstone. Or perhaps we find it more faithful to be defined by what unites us than by any differences. 
Well, I hope, I pray that this is an attitude you and I bring to the work of the Commission on a Way Forward and to the work of the United Methodist Council on Bishops as we approach a special call to general conference in February. The purpose of this called conference, we know, is that of addressing the church's stance regarding human sexuality. Regardless of what is decided at this general conference, leave the wording of our Book of Discipline as is or change the wording of our Book of Discipline, there will be those in the church who are pleased, there will be those in the church who are displeased. What will be true in the church at large is likely to be true here. There are differences among us as we worship. Yes, there is much that unites us. Still, we're not 100% united in our beliefs. Not all of us interpret Scripture exactly the same. Nor will everyone be happy with whatever is decided at next year's general conference. There will be different responses. Different enough to undo the foundation upon which we are built? I pray not. For regardless of what is decided at general conference, the truth is that all that unites us is far greater than anything dividing us. The truth is there is much work for the sake of the gospel going undone if we focus on differences. There is much work accomplished to the glory of God if we celebrate the good news that now and always we are no longer strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Amen. I invite us to stand and we will affirm our faith, responding to the word with the statement of faith of the United Church of Canada, number 883. Let us affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
come forward to receive God's tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us beyond measure. Your love for us so deep that you give to us even your own son. We thank you for this opportunity to worship and serve you through the offering of these gifts with a prayer that in your care they accomplish great things for the sake of Christ. Amen.
Jesus is the one who has told us to ask and seek and knock relentlessly. Scripture also tells us to be those who pray without ceasing. We remember those words, and we go to God as we pray. And we do so sharing in the prayers of the people, a responsive time of prayer, in which I will offer a petition and conclude each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, I invite from you the response to hear our prayer, and invite the naming of those persons whom you'd like to have remembered, lifted to God in this time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, help us remember that though we are all of different members, we comprise one body of Christ, needing each person to fulfill the work to which Jesus calls us. We thank you, Lord, for the number and diversity of gifts represented here and for the wonderful ways in which these works, these gifts are gathered together to accomplish the work of Christ. We thank you for those faith stories we each carry that remind us of how you have blessed us to bring us to this point. And we give you thanks that now in this time and in this place we are able to gather together and to worship the one Lord who is foundation of us all. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Renee and Glenn Edwards, Peg Hollander. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. For our teachers, students, families, administrations. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, the Ministries of First Church. 
Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints whose witness continues to inspire and bless and those who find themselves with us praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our closing hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, we stand as we sing. We go from this place as a light to the world, and we go as members of the household of God, no longer strangers or wanderers, but those who are gathered together as members of the household of God. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.